0: I think there's the, there's no shame in the side hustle game. I worked on it on the side for a really long time. You know, I s- spent the extra hours just to learn about what I was getting into, learn about the craft, learn about the business side. And I think those extra steps sort of give you extra confidence to move forward on with a creative business, sort of get your foundation set. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Chief Executive Auntie, the podcast exploring the work lives of Asian Americans beyond the conventional doctor, lawyer, and engineer. I'm your host, Jennifer Dwan Faltz. Hey, everybody. My guest today is jewelry designer Peggy Lee. Peggy's designs have been featured on shows like Riverdale, Why Women Kill, Grey's Anatomy, and many more. Peggy grew up in Santa Rosa, California and currently works from her home and studio space in San Francisco. Welcome to the show, Peggy. Thank you, Jennifer. Happy to be here. So tell us a little bit about a day in the life of a jewelry designer. If you have any, if you have a typical day, (laughs) I I don't really. So I understand if there's no such thing as a typical day.
0: Uh, A typical day for me really is first thing in the morning, checking out emails, answering emails, Doing a lot of administrative stuff, so paying the bills, ordering supplies, um, and usually a lot of uh, PR outreach. So sending emails, sort of, org- and then organizing my day. Um, so if there's orders, then the middle of the day is usually occupied with actually creating, making, fulfilling orders, um, getting to the post office. Pretty basic stuff. And uh, that's pretty much the day. Uh, sometimes I get to go to my studio space, which is outside of um, my apartment. But my I've worked out of my apartment um, the whole time, pretty much, and just recently got a studio space. So it's, I'm still getting used to leaving my home to go work, which is a strange concept for me um, on the jewelry side. Uh, and then that's about it. And, and these days I'm trying to be a little healthier and I'm doing yoga three times a week. So I'm really trying to make Ooh. time to... Um, a little
1: self-care during yes, this well. Definitely so important. I I usually work from home too, and I have to kind of tell myself, like, every week or so, like go. I'm, in, I'm actually currently in the co-working space that I'm part of. And I'm like, every week or so, like, just go and just sit next to other adults. I don't <laughs> even have to talk to them. Because <laughs> if I'm not careful, I'll find myself like, oh, I have only talked to A three-year-old for like four (laughs) days. I mean, I talked to my, you know, I talked to my husband at home. Still, it's good to to get around people sometimes. Um, And so you mentioned, so I'm curious, like how Mm -hmm. much of your time, like how much of your time you spend on administrative and how much time you spend actually creating
0: yeah, I would say it's about 50-50. There's a lot of time just maintaining the business. You know, I do everything. I'm a one-person show, so it's website updates, creating marketing materials like emails and outreach, social media. So all of that stuff um, pretty much it takes up half the time. I really have to make an effort to carve out time to enjoy the creative side, like making new designs and doing stuff like that for myself um so it's it's an, often a struggle but um important
1: yeah i think mo i think the vast majority of freelancers and one person businesses they're at 50 50 at the very best <laughs> sometimes it's for me sometimes it slips down to 40 60 <laughs> usually if it's like a if it's a 30 70 week i'm like okay i need i need to rethink something <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So tell me how you got started. Um, I know you've been doing, I know you've been making jewelry for a long time, but sort of how did you, how did you begin?
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. (laughs) It's one of those stories where, you know, I never
1: thought I would be in a creative business.
0: I went to college at UC Berkeley um, as a chemical engineering major. And after that, but I graduated with a bioresource science degree, actually switched majors in the middle. And then after that, I, after I graduated, I moved straight to Los Angeles to become a screenwriter. That was sort of my dream at the time. Um, I was doing a lot of writing on the side. And while I was in LA working as a journalist, um, you know, I was also following a lot of TV shows and I was on a, a writer's salary, couldn't afford much. So I was making a lot of my own jewelry at the time. You know, I was also always been sort of arts and craftsy as a kid. And um, I wanted to do a story on my favorite TV show at the time, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I thought to myself, okay, I love the fashion on the show. How can I get in and talk to someone there? So I decided to reach out to the costume designer. And I did an interview with her. And she was super nice. Turned out we were from both from Santa Rosa. Um, had a great time. And then after the interview, I thought to myself, um, I should send her some of this jewelry I've been making. Like, why not? So I dropped it in the mail, sent it off to her, and forgot about it. And literally weeks later, I get a phone call from the costume department and they're like, what else do you have? Send all the jewelry you have. So I was like, okay, sent them all the stuff, (laughs) forgot about it again. And then I get another phone call and it's um, Cynthia Bergstrom, who's a costume designer. She's like, hey Peggy, I hope you don't mind. I gave your name to USA Today, and there's a reporter who's going to be calling you. Oh my gosh. I said, okay. I get a phone call from this reporter. She's like, I hear your work's going to be on the next season of Buffy. Where can people buy your stuff? And I responded. I'm, I'm like, oh, I have a website. People can buy, buy jewelry on my website. And I hang up the phone, and I literally turn to my coworkers, and I'm like, I need to build a website right now. And that is how the business was born.
1: Perfect, I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And I think I think some of the best adventures come from not just taking risks like you did and contacting contacting the costume department, but I think it's, it's you were you were generous. You were like, here, here's the jewelry. Here you go. I I don't know. I. In a lot of the commun- online creative communities, I hear people complaining a lot about doing things for free. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like generosity can pay off sometimes, and it sounds like it did for you. Just
0: you know, it was naivete. It was sort of you know, I didn't, I had no idea how things worked, and just thought, hey, why not? Why not give it a try?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes when we overthink it, we kind of get in our own way. Sometimes. <laughs> how did you learn how did you learn the like skills of jewelry making
0: you know self-taught really at the beginning just you know seeing things that I liked um and wanting to recreate them for myself going to school at UC Berkeley you know there's there was Telegraph Avenue and there's all these artisans um that would always be outside and selling their work and a lot of it was beautiful wire work and different things and So just taking that inspiration and having, you know, like I said, I was always sort of craftsy and liked to work with my hands growing up. So for me, it was also like, how do do they do that? How does that stuff get made? And sort of going and learning um, for myself the process. And, you know, I really enjoy sort of deconstructing things and sort of understanding how things work. So I think that's what uh, got me to make, enjoy making jewelry.
1: It's interesting how the things we're interested as ch- in as children come back to haunt us later <laughs> on. In life. If I was I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, "Oh, like I was making newsletters and stuff in like Microsoft Word just for fun because <laughs> that's the kind of nerd that I was. <laughs> in second grade I was like, "Oh, I guess that kind of the writing and the design element has always kind of been there. And it's manifesting itself again. Yes. And it's coming back and it's coming back years later. I mean, I think I also was, you
0: know, a starving writer at the time and I would go shopping and I'd see something and I'd go, wow, I really wish I could have that. I'll just make it think it myself. Yeah. And think to myself, but it doesn't look that- Complicated. Why don't I try and make it for myself and see what happens?
1: So, how did things evolve and grow after this first adventure with Buffy the Vampire Slayer?
0: Um, you know, it was instant, uh, instant sales because of Buffy. Um, the show was super popular at the time. It's sort of like the beginning of the internet, and I think it was still a little bit new. Online shopping was still a little bit new. Um, I kept my day job for a very, very long time Mm. so i continued to work full time while running my jewelry business on the side and and actually you know i think why we're having this discussion right now for a long time i i didn't tell people i was doing jewelry on the side i was sort of embarrassed to talk about oh i have this little business you know this other little thing that i'm doing um it really it was really something i didn't want to tell people about which looking back now seems very silly but you know, I think I, I still felt like I had to sort of achieve in a
1: quote unquote, real job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you were so still yeah. working journalism for a
0: while? Um, I was working journalism for a while and then I ended up um, moving back to the Bay Area, closer to home, um, working for Electronic Arts and I was doing marketing for their online games. Okay. <laughs> so I was doing that full time for several uh-huh. years. And uh, still also trying to screen write on the side too. So I was like doing all this stuff on the down low. Um, but in the meantime, the jewelry business was continuing to grow. And uh, because of the Buffy connection, I was able to get press in things like Teen Vogue and uh, people on Espanol, like people were reaching out to me. It was, it was pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, but, but I kept that day job. I kept those, those uh, apron strings on. Um, I always felt like, you know, just in case I need I need to be able to have a real job to sort of fall back on in case this jewelry thing didn't work out, even though, you know, years into it, I'm still wondering <laughs> is it gonna work out?
1: Yeah. Um, I think um a friend of mine calls it like, you know, the day job, she calls it like a bridge job. Like it keep you know, it bridges the gap between full-time employment for somebody else and then doing it and going out completely on your own. And there's, there's a lot of value in that. I think at least in my experience, it was always hard to create things when it felt like, Oh my gosh, this has to work or I can't pay my rent next month. <laughs> I don't know that kind of, pr- some people respond well to that kind of pressure. I did not. <laughs> I I wanted some form of security. And even now, you know, I really can only do what I do because my husband has a job that provides us with a lot of stability and benefits. And so I I work in a flexible manner to kind of counterbalance Mm -hmm. that. But I'm always aware that I have to have that sort of security in there. When did you decide to go full-time with the jewelry?
0: You know, amazingly enough, I went part-time with my job. I like was clinging on with my my fingers, (laughs) fingernails for a while. You know, I I had come to the decision. I'm like, I'm just, I was burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. I was really you know, working well into, you know, the wee hours of the morning when I would come home from work and trying to do both at once. And finally I was like, I can't take it. I'm going to leave my job. And they were like, how about part-time? And I was like, sure.
1: That's a great great alternative. It's a good, you know, instead of just going cold Turkey, all of a sudden, okay, now you got to make it out like part-time is a great option.
0: You know, I was really, I was really lucky that they offered it to me. So that continued to bridge me over. But finally Finally, it, was, it was more that the job, the day job became like intolerable. <laughs> and uh, finally it was like, you know what? I have nothing, to, you know, I, I the, the jewelry business sort of became the fallback where it was like, mm. you know what? I don't have to be doing this part-time and driving myself crazy. I can, mm. I'll just do the jewelry business. And I think, you know, part of the fears of going to the creative business full-time was, well, up to then I, I was actually very grateful because I had a lot of creative freedom because of, it wasn't, I wasn't dependent on it financially 100%. Yeah. So it actually gave me a lot of creative freedom with my business and uh, I got to sort of do whatever I wanted when I wanted with it. Um, so there's fear about going to the business full time and okay, is it gonna become a job? Am I gonna really start to not like uh, the jewelry business because I was dependent on it? Um, but finally I just made the leap because the day job had sort of run its course and it was time. It, it was time to do it. Yeah.
1: Where do you get inspiration and do you, do you do work that sort of allow? Le- you do you do kind of personal work that allows you to have more of that creative freedom separate from the business side?
0: Um, you know, I get a lot of inspiration from what's happening in fashion. Uh, you know, so I like to consume current fashion and fashion trends. But really, I, I feel like I get a lot of inspiration just from the materials themselves. So I love looking at you know, beautiful gemstones and materials and sort of learning how to manipulate them in new and different ways. I, myself, do not wear a lot of jewelry. I'm not a jewelry wearer, actually. And in some ways I feel like that um, gives me a little more perspective. I don't get too precious about uh, the designs necessarily. So it's easy for me to sort of like continue to explore different styles and make different things. I just sort of go where my curiosity takes me.
1: Yeah, I guess if you cuz if you wore if you wore a lot of jewelry yourself, you would probably kind of have your own style that you got attached to, but I guess if you don't have that, you you can kind of make whatever you whatever <laughs> you feel like making. It's
0: it's a blessing and a curse, I think in some ways, you know, I don't really I, it's hard to create sort of a cohesive brand and be really focused. On the other hand, I sort of love being a little more eclectic and having a little bit more
1: variety when you place pieces on shows um are those existing styles or are they styles that the costume department asks you to create or something like that
0: um it can be a little bit of both uh every tv show sort of works a little differently i think back in the good old days um i was definitely making pieces um, with the show in mind or they would request certain things i think these days uh Budgets are a little tighter, and and um, they are a little bit more selective. Uh, but occasionally, you know, a show I can get a show where I can just send them a box of stuff, and they will choose what they like and send back what they don't. Mm-hmm. And you know, I try and tailor pieces, you know, and send pieces that I think are a good fit for the different shows.
1: Yeah, that's really that's really really neat. Uh, do <laughs> you so y- do you work together with the costume designers? Um, Or do they kind of just send you a brief or how does, how does that work? It's
0: again, everybody is different. I've been sent briefs before where, which is really fun because I get a little sneak peek behind, you know, how their process and and what they're doing. So sometimes people will have briefs that will have outlines for different characters. So it'll be like, you know, Caroline is a power attorney who loves wearing suits and her sister Heidi is a hippie chick and, I'm a free spirit and I'll get these types of briefs to design from and select from, which is cool. Otherwise, um, sometimes I'm just flying blind and I don't know, uh, which characters, uh, they'll use my pieces for.
1: How do you decide or do you, do you sell pieces that are made for shows? Do you end up selling them sort of commercially on your website or how, or how do you make that decision?
0: Absolutely. So usually I'm sending pieces that I've already created, mm-hmm. um, so they are all available on the website. And over the years, it's become an integral part of my business mm-hmm. and that people discover me because they saw a piece on their favorite character, on their favorite show. And, you know, it's something that I enjoy working with all these costume designers. So it's, it's really sort of hand in hand. And um, a lot of my business is, is from fans finding me through their favorite TV show.
1: Yeah, it's kind of built in publicity for you.
0: And I think back in the day with Buffy, I think uh, TV wasn't as cool as it is now and brands weren't necessarily actively trying to get their stuff on TV. Uh, I think that atmosphere has totally changed, you know, like TV has become more of a prestige medium and um, with social media and the internet, like people can actually discover what those things are. I think back at, you know, before the internet, how, how were you going to find out what someone was wearing on a right. TV show? right you wouldn't know there, there's like no way to know but now of course it can be instant right across the web
1: right. you just have like an instagram post and click you can just buy that piece right off of instagram yeah.
0: and there's whole there's whole websites devoted to spotting what people are wearing on tv it's it's become its own thing and i think shows like mad men scandal um desperate housewives was maybe one of the first shows where people really also focused on the fashion and and then. TV shows were sort of like setting trends in fashion, um, so it's a whole new atmosphere now, which is very cool.
1: Do you watch the shows that your pieces appear
0: in? Yes, I, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> which means I watch a lot of television. <laughs> I'm also doing research, right? I, I want to yeah, watch right. new shows yeah. and see what's what's happening. But more often than not, I approach you know I try to approach shows that I really like and you know that resonates with me and that the style is is a fit.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. What's your favorite? What's your favorite piece and favorite show? I guess that's probably a really difficult question to answer.
0: I mean, I think, you know, Buffy was amazing because I didn't expect that to happen. And people to this day still ask me about pieces that they see on the show. I feel like a whole new generation of people are discovering Buffy. It's one of those shows that will, you know, be in people's minds forever, which is amazing. Um, I had a really great relationship with the TV show Arrow and the character, on the show, Felicity Smoke is sort of this IT girl. She's sort of this nerdy girl, but yet beautiful and, you know, competent and uh, brave. And uh, she was a really awesome character to see my work on. Um, and she also wore some edgier pieces, which was really, really fun. So I enjoyed seeing my pieces on Felicity on Arrow.
1: Cool, cool. Uh, you wrote in that after 20 plus years of doing jewelry, you're kind of wondering whether it's time to move on can you talk a little more about that
0: uh you know i think every time you get every time i get to a point where i feel overwhelmed and i'm really busy i think to myself okay what's my exit strategy for this mm-hmm. um i think there's a couple of different ways i can go you know i could try and really grow the business you know get more people on board sort of really drive the business forward or you know i'm thinking about you know, are there ways to have a little bit more of a passive income stream related to the business where I could sort of take pressure off of the business as, as the main revenue stream?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or, you know, is there an exit strategy where I can sort of, you know, sunset this or transition to uh, a different aspect of business again? Maybe, maybe it's moving to coaching or teaching or adding some other things, taking advantage of sort of my experience uh, having run the business for so long.
1: Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And that's, a, I think that's a pretty common path for people is, you know, you know, Jenna Kutcher, Melissa Griffin, like sort of the all the on- online entrepreneurs that I follow a lot, they all kind of go the same. They have a similar arc where, you know, something starts as a passion, then they build the business for a number of years and then they start kind of teaching other people to do what they did. Um, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned passive income. That would be really, that's an interesting idea for a physical product. Because um, it's, you know, because you make everything by hand and to kind of.
0: Well, I'm thinking along along the lines you just described, it would be creating some sort of e-course mm. or um, something where I don't have to physically make the
1: product. <laughs> right, right. And, you can, and something scalable that you can sell as many as you want of any time, any, any place. Um, yeah, that would be, that's a, that's, that is definitely one of the more popular routes for passive income. You could teach people how to work with publicity, you know, how to kind of do PR for their business since you've had to do that, um, on your own for so many years. I was also kind of thinking earlier when you were talking about your time, you know, the breakup of your, the, not breakup, but the, uh, how your time is divided. Have you cons- ever considered hiring a virtual assistant or some kind of assistant to do the admin, more of the admin stuff so you can create more?
0: I have, and I have over the years tried different virtual assistants. Mm. Maybe I'm a bit of a control freak. <laughs> that may be
1: possible. Um, well, it's it's ha- important to find the right fit, <laughs> too, though. and It's it hard.
0: Good help is hard, hard to find.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All Um sure. I think it's also, you know, I haven't devoted the time to really structure my business in a way that makes it easily, easy for someone else to come in and, and pick up. Um, so there are a lot of things I know I could do to sort of make that easier, but again, it's about, when do I find the time? Carve right. out the time to right. carve out the time. <laughs> yeah, find the,
1: t- find the time to make more time. <laughs>
0: Cor- correct. But I, you know, at the same time, I really enjoy what I do. So, um, I think it's just that need to sort of continually challenge yourself as well, you know, and to continually, I want to continually grow within my business where I think about what's next. Um, yeah.
1: Are it's there, easy to have monetary goals, but those aren't as, those aren't, those aren't as exciting. Or sure. Fun. Definitely. Um, are there different, I don't know, I don't know anything about jewelry <laughs> making, but are there different like styles or materials you could learn? I, I always like learning new things and that's always a very stimulating uh experience for me is if I can learn a new skill or something like that are there I don't know new materials or new styles you could explore definitely so many um and I think
0: part of sort of making the investment to rent out a studio space separate from my my home is then I could have a space that I could have more equipment more chemicals and different things uh so I could try some different techniques
1: yeah uh, would teaching like workshops have any appeal for you? I know that's that's not going to be passive income for sure, <laughs> um, but just, I don't know, just diversifying kind of what you do.
0: Yes. Uh, I've been interested in um, doing some teaching. Uh, it's interesting. I, I feel like a lot of, I've seen a lot of my contemporaries sort of move into the coaching and teaching space. Um, so again, and, and like you've mentioned, right, you've seen a lot of these creators sort of go that route from they established their business and now they're moving into uh, these other aspects and so it's like oh do i want to go there uh, strangely enough i feel like right now I'm, I'm turning back to you know early on in the business i did a lot of shows where i would sell in person at street fairs okay. or uh, fashion events and eventually i was like Whoo, i get to stop pounding the pavement but ironically like now i'm thinking okay maybe it's time to go back out and pound the pavement and um have more one-on-one re- uh, interaction with customers again, yeah. especially with the studio space. So yeah. I can sort of let people know that there's a place you can see me in person.
1: Yeah. Um, I know the overhead for this would be pretty big, but like like a pop-up shop for yourself or something like that, or even a brick and mortar. I know that <laughs> would be really expensive, but. Uh,
0: I'm not that interested in, in a brick and mortar, mm-hmm. but um, what I have been doing this past year, which is kind of fun is because of all the TV show history I've been going to fan conventions for different shows.
1: Oh yes, that is a well, really, oh, that is such a neat
0: idea, <laughs> which is really really fun. So, I've done a Riverdale convention, and I'm going to be doing a Vampire Diaries convention. That show's been off the air for more than a year, by the way.
1: But they're going to have a convention. They're still having fan conventions. That's they're still time. having
0: fan conventions. So, and and the people there are always so lovely, and enthusiastic, and excited to consume anything you know that they can find out about their favorite shows so that's that's been a lot of fun and I've been sort of playing with you know going to these different fan conventions this year
1: yeah it sounds like you're doing a lot of exploring on your own which I think is always a wonderful thing to do and I don't know I I was listening to another podcast and I can't remember which one it was but (laughs) um just the idea that you don't have to scale like I think I think in the sort of, I don't know, Instagram business universe, everyone's always like, you got to grow your business. You got to scale. You got to do all these things. And it's like, or I could just continue to make jewelry. (laughs) Um, So I guess there's also, I don't know. I kind of wanted to give you that little bit of freedom too. Like you don't feel, don't feel like you have to scale to some gigantic business if you don't necessarily want to.
0: I agree. And I think it's sort of that built in, um, want to achieve Mm -hmm. and in a small business or a creative business you don't have sort of the same uh, milestones and measures that a day job maybe gives you like oh I'm going to get that promotion or that title right I'm going to start managing people you know you have that structure that sort of gives you that feedback that oh yeah I'm I'm progressing I'm I'm doing better Um, in a small business you know maybe it's short revenue and things like that but I think it's, it is really difficult to sort of feel like, okay, am I progressing? Uh, do I have to scale the only way to sort of right. feel like you're doing better? But um, I agree. It's taken me a while to sort of settle in and be like, okay, maybe I don't have to aggressively scale, mm-hmm. but it's tough because I see contemporary sort of doing those things. And it's like, Ooh, you know, am I missing out on some opportunities or something I'm not seeing? But at the same time you know, I'm still able to sort of, Enjoy my business and take it a little slower. And like I said, have a lot of creative freedom in how I run it and um, the kind of pieces I make.
1: So, do you do That's commissions good. for just regular customers, not costume costume departments? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Like, so I mean, you could. You know, it <laughs> sounds. It sounds like well, just I'm, I'm asking just because it sounds like there's different pieces of your business, and so you know. Rather than thinking, okay, I got to completely reinvent the wheel. Maybe you just, you know, turn up one side and turn down the other side, you know, some other piece for a little while, see how that balance works. And if you don't, you can always kind of switch it back. Um, that's another way. I don't know. I feel like that's another easier way to change things up without like, okay, I'm gonna totally start doing something new, which is kind of my tendency.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. When I when I left the day job finally and went into the business full time, I had a lot of momentum and the business was really um growing. And then, you know, life interferes and and my parents uh became ill and I had to sort of scale back the business to take care of them. So Mm -hmm. this past year has been sort of getting back into the business, so which is probably why I'm thinking about all these things of like, oh, do I wanna just pick up where I left off and continue to try and really grow it? Like you, I'm lucky I have a very supportive husband and partner and, you know, while when I left my day job, I, I definitely was able to live off of my jewelry business, you know, on the revenue from that alone. You know, these days I definitely have a little bit of sport happening mm-hmm. um, as I sort of get back into it. But it's sort of like, well, do I really want to get back up to that level where I was really sort of stressed out and, and busy and really considering, do I scale? You know, what do I do next? Versus, OK, it's it's back to this point where it's kind of comfortable. But But then that's when I'm thinking, like, OK, how else can I challenge myself then?
1: Right. It's always it's always the balance between. I'm comfortable and not overwhelmed, but I also want to push myself and grow. And there's just that like, Watch. that one like <laughs> fine point and I'm usually tipping over into overwhelmed more often. Than <laughs> but. but yeah, it sounds like you're in a good place. I'm excited for you. I can't wait to see what happens next. Do you have any advice for Asian Americans who want to be a designer?
0: Absolutely. I think there's, the, there's no shame in the side hustle game. Mm-hmm. I think that's somebody else's quote, but you know, I worked on, you know, and if you have a passion for it, I worked on it on the side for a really long time. You know, I sp- spent the extra hours just to learn about what I was getting into, learn about the craft, learn about the business side. And I think those extra steps sort of give you extra confidence. To move forward on with a creative business, sort of get your foundation set. Mm. Learn about the business side of things. You know, talk to other business owners. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask questions. Um, you know, it took me a long time to tell people about my business, and I kind of wish I hadn't been so you know reticent about it, or or felt embarrassed by it. You know, that's silly, right? Um, and just talk to more people. Like, yeah, I'm trying to start this business.
1: Yeah, I what have. You know? Yeah, what I have found that. I found that people are people want to be helpful and they want to be supportive and much more than you would expect. I think we all. I don't know. I'm always terrified. Like, oh, nobody's going to show up. Nobody's going to say anything. And it's like, no, like, and and I also and I uh, this is also my little inner delusion. We're like, oh, it doesn't count if it's just my friends. <laughs> talking about it. No, it totally counts. Like that's how it starts. It yeah. counts. It totally but counts. I think it's also, you know, there.
0: It's. it's I, I did the whole thing where I had a, you know, I feel like I could have had a career if I, you know, the creative side failed. Sure, like create, create a, you know, a safety net if that's what makes you feel comfortable and gives you the confidence to pursue the creative side. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think there's no right way to do it. There's no set path. On how to go forward in a creative career. You know, it's great to look at examples. I think learn from examples, learn from peers, but understand that everyone can have their own path and do things in their own time.
1: Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Uh, Where can people find you? You can find me online
0: at peggylee.com. That's peggyli dot com and I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the all the social places.
1: All right, awesome. And I will drop a link for that in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Peggy. Thank you, Jennifer. Have a great day. Bye. I second her suggestion to learn about the business side because I think these days it's really not enough anymore to be good at what you do. Um, You kind of have to be good at a lot of things. Um, If you're a one-person business, you're doing your own sales, marketing, fulfillment, web design, social media, SEO, um, the whole nine yards. And I'm actually launching an incubator in the first quarter of 2020 that will take All the lessons and by which by lessons, I mean mistakes (laughs) that I've learned in the last seven years and boil it down to about three months at the end. You'll not only have a professionally built website that you can maintain yourself, but you'll also have a solid framework to start or grow your creative service based business. You can hop on my mailing list in the show notes to be the first to know when more details are available. Thanks for tuning in to Chief Executive Auntie. You can find show notes, resource links, and more anti rants at chiefexecutiveante.com. That's chiefexecutive, A-U-N-T-I-E, dot Special thanks to Sue Ann Shaw, who mixed and mastered this episode and composed the music. Alyssa De La Rosa, who created the branding, and my distribution partner, Mochi Magazine. Check out more stories for Asian American women at www.mochimag.com. That's M-O-C-H-I-M-A-G.com. See you next time.